Hi there, I'm Ben Pierce, and welcome to the Elevated You podcast, the podcast all about helping you in the tech world develop your professional skills. Each episode, we share the top tips, failures, and lived experiences of people thriving in the same world as you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's get going. Hi, folks. And welcome to the Elevated You podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a really important topic. We're we're talking about mental well-being in the tech world. It's something that affects everyone and something that's vital, really, that we should talk about uh, with each other. So our guest today spent years working at some major brands in loads of different product manager roles and now runs his own company focusing on both product coaching and mental well-being speaking. So please welcome to the podcast, Nick Gemetta. Hey Ben, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. No, it's it's lovely to, to to have you with us virtually as we as we head into the autumn now. It's starting to get a bit colder. It's 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 brilliant to have you with us. Could you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I'm I'm Nick and I'm a product coach and a product advisor, but I also spend a lot of time in the wellbeing space. Um, I use my own experience of poor mental health to try and shine a light on the topic, to try and normalise the topic in the workplace and to try and agitate change because I think we still see in the, in the numbers that too many folks at work, particularly in the tech space, are burning out, are struggling with stress, anxiety and depression and I believe we've got a collective responsibility to do something about that. There's a lot we can all be doing but there's also a ton of stuff that line managers and managers of managers, our leaders within tech can be doing and the mission for my business stories matter is to make work better so that that's what motivates me every single day and and um so this this topic you know obviously a really important topic to you what why is it such an important topic to you i kind of touched there that my mental health has been quite difficult throughout my life uh, i struggled with anxiety and and have done for a lot of my life i've now managed to figure that out and I've learned the right coping strategies and I'm thriving when I was a teenager I was far from thriving I got myself into some pretty dark and difficult times that continued in the workplace when I joined the workforce in 2005 you know the notion of talking about your mental health at work was a complete non-starter so you know I worked through some of those things I felt like an imposter for a lot of my of my career like I said I figured out how to use my anxiety for some kind of benefit to me as I was trying to grow my career and then in 2018 I I spoke up publicly about the struggles I'd had with my mental health and it turned out that there's millions of other people out there struggling with their, <laughs> their, their their mental health so me stepping into the foreground and putting a spotlight on that topic not only gave people hope but I started to provoke change and I've really been on on a journey of continuing to provoke that change ever since Okay, and so um, so you started to touch there upon you know it, it's quite a broad problem in uh, in the tech sector and and in the workplace more generally. I mean, what sort of scale does the problem have? Is it is it much of an issue, or is it a little thing that like a few loud voices talk about? Unfortunately, it's a big issue and it's growing. Okay, so just got some numbers here. So uh, May twenty twenty three. 
work, workplace burnout actually hit an all-time high. So globally, up to 48% of workers reported feeling burned out. And this is two years after a pandemic when we were all feeling burned out. So that that feeling of being burned out is not going away. So that's this year's stats. So May this year, almost May this 50, year. 50% of workers were, were feeling. Now, is that um, broad workplace? Is that tech-specific? Yeah, so that's, that's broad. Okay. Um, there was a 2022 study done specifically in the tech space and that was and that study was done with over 36,000 people so we're talking about a study at scale and that found that that two in five folks who are working in tech wanted to quit and they wanted to quit for a very specific reason which was excessive stress exhaustion or a broken work life balance Sheesh. right so so that 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 isn't uh, a small people <laughs> with loud voices. <laughs> that isn't a small group. That's like fifty percent of the workforce generally, and a lot of people in in tech that are really calling the, calling this out as a problem. Okay, okay. So it feels like it's something that's worth talking about, particularly with our audience today, which is full of people that are trying to develop themselves in the tech sector. Um, okay, okay. So big problem. What's the solution? <laughs> Can we just fix that? You know, we've got 25 minutes on a podcast. Let's solve it. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. I, I really wish that there was a magic wand. But like any any big problem, as we know, in, in, in tech, that it's it's multifaceted and therefore complicated. Yeah. There isn't one thing that, that is going to fix it. But, you know, broadly, I believe in collective responsibility. So what do I mean by that if we were to unpack that? It means that as individuals and the folks that are listening to us chat right now, you know, there, there is more things we can all do as individuals to be more self-aware, to be more proactive, to set up our boundaries, to better communicate, to actually be a bit more selfish. I think for a long time being selfish was frowned upon, but actually it's the most selfless thing that we can do because if we're not in a good place ourselves, we don't show up in the right way at work, we can't support those people around us. The... You know, if you think about that as the core of the onion, as you move out to the next layer or layers of the onions, there is so much that leaders in business can be doing. There is so much that managers and managers of managers can do to do more than just tick box on well-being. You know, well-being, culture, human leadership, from my perspective, they should all be treated as strategic imperatives. They should be treated as you know, value-adding capabilities that, that any tech business would naturally want to be building. Okay. Well, I wonder if maybe, could, could we deal into into both of those? Because I think, you know, that the people that listen to this podcast, I think we've got a number of people um, that I would say are individual contributors and that are interested in their, their own personal development, but also a lot of people that listen um, are in leadership roles, whether that meaning they're managing people, managing managers, you know, whatever it is. I wonder if we could explore that from sort of both angles. Um, I, I wonder if maybe we can start with uh, an, as individuals. So are there things that we can do as individuals? Um, I guess like I don't know if I like the term self-help, you know, it, you know, what, what could we do as individuals to try and help ourselves in this situation? So you said at the top of the podcast, you know, I've worked in tech, I've worked in product management for, for a long time. I spoke to you about the struggles I've had with my mental health. Yeah. In recent times, so in 2021, I was actually signing off work with burnout. So I know what it's like. 
it was caused by work stress and it manifested as severe anxiety and depression. It was a really different, really hard time for me. But I also know what it's like to flourish. And I'm sat here now, we're chatting in 2023, and I feel energized at work. So if you think about the continuum of our mental health, I've been at both ends. So in terms of what I advise, and you've got to remember that all of us are individuals. I'm not a medical professional. So I talk in the roundabout my experiences and some of the frameworks I use, but fundamentally the way that we lean into our well-being is is doing inner work. And what do I mean by that? It means we get to know ourselves, figure out who we are, figure out what what switches us on, figure out what gives us energy, think about our values. So it really means being self-aware. The most important thing we can do for ourselves is to get to know ourselves because when you build that, that curiosity, when you check in with yourself day to day and you you wake up in the morning, you think, well, how am I feeling today? And it might be that you can't put words around it, but it might be you can draw an emoji that tells you and someone else how you're feeling. It might be you can use a number. I really like that framing of, am I feeling a one today, a five or a 10? And during COVID, I actually tracked my own uh, emotional score throughout 2021. And yes, there was a global pandemic going on, but the writing was on the wall throughout sort of 2020 into 2021 when I then hit burnout. So self-awareness is fantastic. However, without action, it's largely meaningless because I was very self-aware and I took no action and therefore I ended up having to phone the doctor and get and get signed off work. And, and just, so, just to get into that, firstly, I love the fact that you tracked it. You know, there's a lot of techies out there that love a lot of data. And it's just <laughs> I love a bit of measurement. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I got a spreadsheet. I'm tracking it in there. <laughs> so firstly, I love that. But then second, um, when do you do that? So is that something that you do first thing in the morning? Is that something you do several times during the day? Is that something you do last thing at night? Like practically, how do you do that? Because does that, does that make a difference? It does. It does. I was... I was doing it first thing in the morning, but then at the end of each day, uh, I write a journal every day. So I was sort of sense checking how I felt at the end of the day versus the beginning and seeing where the delta was. And then I was trying to map both the trend and the deltas. And what is just so interesting about that is you're marrying kind of the quant with the with the qual, which again, in the tech world, we all love to do. Yeah. And when I look back at my journal now, and when I sort of overlay that on top of my that trended score it really is horrifying reading it's almost like i'm reading about somebody else right because all of the entries are very negative all of the entries i'm i'm very clearly beating myself up all of the entries are full of self-doubt you know all of the entries have those kind of breadcrumbs that tell me with hindsight that i was on the path to nowhere okay and that's where I think being self-aware also means being curious. If I could rewind back to that point, if I just look through the last three or four weeks of my journal entries and my well-being score, I could have got curious. Yeah. You know, I work with a lot of, of UX folk and one of the key principles of great products is being curious. When we do product discovery, we should ask open-ended questions. Yeah. We shouldn't be asking questions that give a binary yes or no. And I wasn't asking those open-ended questions. You know, asking questions like, why do I feel like this? How might work be contributing to me feeling like this? How is the way I'm using my time contributing to these feelings? How are the relationships I've got at work contributing to these feelings? If I'd asked those sorts of questions, I genuinely think that the outcome in 
February 2021 could have been very different for me. Okay, so <clears throat> you've got this idea of right. You're make you're aware of your your state, your your how you're feeling as a person. Then, then asking yourself the next thing is then to start to take action. And the first action that you start to take then is to ask yourself these sorts of questions uh, and and exercise curiosity into that. Yeah, because once once you do that, once you build the self awareness, you take action you then start to be able to form hypotheses. And it's probably no surprise to anyone listening that some of the framing of this is taken from some of the principles that I apply to product to, to my product coaching. I genuinely try to apply that product mindset of curiosity and experimentation and hypotheses to my well-being. And it might be that you, know, you might have a hypothesis, for example, that you're overworked because you haven't set clear enough boundaries. And it might be you haven't set clear enough boundaries with yourself, which is often very common, with your team, with your peers, with with your manager. Okay, well, that's interesting because if that's your hypothesis, a simple experiment would be spend 15 minutes and jot down your values. There's tons of frameworks. ChatGPT or Google can probably give you hundreds, but figure out what those values are. Figure out how you're going to apply the boundaries to those values. And even if you just try to communicate a handful of those boundaries to your partner to begin with, experiment number one, see how it goes. Then you might take a step out of your comfort zone and say, well, I'm not confident talking to my manager. I'll talk to one of my peers. Then you might have a relationship with someone at your manager's level who isn't your manager, and then you take another step out. So that kind of iterative, continuous process of taking action, gathering feedback, adapting, and trying again, it might take a bit more time, but in my experience, the compound effect is far greater than doing some of the things that you might ordinarily hear about. You know, someone might say, when your mental health die, go to the gym. And that really does work. But the problem is you're not necessarily dealing with the the root causes. Yeah. You're, you're addressing the symptom in the here and now, and exercise is a really powerful vehicle. But from my perspective, as individuals and collectively, let's not only deal with the symptoms, let's also try and investigate and start to fix those causes as well. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's interesting. I, um, you know, if I think about my background, so I've never been signed off with work, but I can think of two instances in my career where I got, uh, I, I think to the edge that if I hadn't caught myself at that point, um, uh, could have been in a similar situation to you um, and I just managed to catch myself Um and and if I think about the steps then that I took, um, uh, the first one was there was some circumstance that I could change because there was, you know, the work-life balance was an issue, you know, and there were things that I could change there. I remember I was running two teams at the time, couldn't cope running two teams. And thankfully, another manager got hired and started, lead, you know, so suddenly half my workload kind of disappeared, you know. So that, that was kind of the external thing that really helped solve that problem. But then from a, but that, that wasn't enough. I still needed to work on myself a bit. And for me, th- those sorts of things. So I like, fr- I like frameworks. And the one I go to is O-Derm, because um, it's just easy to hang with thoughts. So I always think O is optimism. Um, I need a bit of optimism. D, diet. E, exercise. R, recovery. M, meditation. So I sort of always look at those as my like, right, how am I doing in each of those? Am I feeling optimistic? Right, how's my diet? 
too much wine, exercise, not going to the gym. <laughs> am I getting any sleep or am I staying up watching box sets till one o'clock every night? And uh, and then the final one, a bit of meditation. Which are... So for me, if, if I'm doing quite well on those and the circumstances are all right, I'm normally pretty good. But if I start to dial those down, I can... And particularly, I found now I'm getting older. Like, I'm in my mid-40s now. Can you believe it? I find I need to do more of that stuff than I used to when I was 20. Otherwise, I, I feel my mental health deteriorates quicker if I don't invest in it than it used to when I was like in my 20s I don't know if that's a thing <laughs> I feel the same so uh, you don't you, you don't look uh, mid 40s you're all good uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just so lovely it's a podcast we could get away with that oh yeah we're giving away, we're giving away the trade secrets um I uh I, I've just turned 40 and, and it, it's a similar story for me I, I have to lean in harder to do some of those things and I really like that framework that you created and I'd encourage anyone to perhaps use that framework but perhaps tweak tweak those factors that make up the framework because for me it's all about doing what gives you energy and that can be very hard to do when you're feeling burned out you have no energy to find the things that give you energy so you're sort of between a rock and a hard place but as long as you catch it before that as you say do all of those things that 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 give you energy do the basics really well i do think that's really important but to your point about circumstance when i burned out there were circumstances that i could have changed but as you start to fall into that that burnout as you start to go through the kind of 12 stages of burnout it actually becomes more and more difficult for you to have the proactivity and optimism to change the circumstance which is why to your point we need to be picking this stuff up earlier and sometimes it means making a brave decision, right? Because changing a circumstance might mean I can't work with this particular individual anymore or even I can't work in this particular business anymore. Okay. So I'm not suggesting that changing circumstances are always small, easy decisions. No, 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 no. They can be big. They can be big things. Well, well we thought a little bit there about maybe what we can do as individuals. If we, you know, uh, What about if we are in positions where we are leaders in an organisation? And I guess that can either be that you don't have any directs, but you are an influencer and a leader within that organisation, or you could be a people manager, or you could be now managing managers and more of an executive senior type leader. Um, if, if if, If our listeners are in those types of roles... What sort of things should they be doing to to think about making the organisations that they're in uh, a better place for mental well-being? So firstly, they shouldn't underestimate the role that they play. As I said earlier, you know, if you're a CTO or a CPO and you're you're delivering tech strategies, product strategies, I believe that well-being, leadership, culture, people, they are as if not more important than the delivery of value through the technology or or through the product so that's the first thing to say um making work better for me means being more people centric being more productive making work more fulfilling and all of those things generally drive profit so there's a little bit of me that's like why wouldn't you want to do any of this stuff like i think we've gone past the stage of debating whether or not we should be investing in these things i think there's enough evidence now that that kind of shows those those benefits I've kind of talked already about individuals holding a mirror up. Well, line managers and leaders need to do the same. I I picked up a a stat just before we started speaking. And what is fascinating and also quite depressing is that upwards of 50% of managers actually feel burned out. So the reality is that managers and leaders need to take this seriously, not only for their teams, but for themselves as, as senior individuals. 
So, you know, in my mind, everything we've talked about for individuals should be applied to line managers and leaders. Sometimes that can be harder, but that also means role modeling. I honestly think that role modeling can, can have a transformative effect within an organization and on teams. If you're an individual in a team working with a manager that seems to be working 24-7, that is emailing at the weekends, that never takes walking meetings, that is, you know, seemingly achieving the impossible, that individual is not role modeling the kind of healthy, sustainable behaviors that that their team will, will look to. Their team will assume that that is the way in which they're expected to work. And that starts to set very dangerous precedents. Yeah. Yeah. So self-awareness and role modeling, I think, is a is is such a key pillar for these kind of people. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree. And it's interesting because that almost in some ways puts a bit more pressure on. Because <laughs> then you think, oh, yeah, it does a little oh, bit. Yeah. oh, I've got to be good at doing this stuff. Um, you know, and and uh, and you then can't just give it lip service, can you? And and then you can maybe start to feel the effects and the benefits of it yourself. Um and and I, and I sort of think of this, you know, when I was leading people, I spent about 10 or 11 years leading people. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I things got a bit dark once. And then after that, I started doing all this, the diet, the exercise a lot better. And so therefore I would block time to go to the gym and get out for a walk at lunchtime. And every lunchtime I did it. And I remember some people joined from an external company. I said, I can't believe that you do this. You know, you like, you just you go out for an hour and just and we used to have a, water, a nice lake by the office I just used to go and do circuits of the lake for a while get the steps up enjoy being out in nature and it made a difference and people did see it but what I also felt as a leader then was the crush because not every, some managers I had were really supportive of that and some weren't and so there was the crush coming from the top and then I had to kind of stop that crush and try and keep that culture in my team even though it wasn't coming to me from above at times yeah and that you 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 often hear that and maybe for another another podcast we we can talk about some things i'm working on to try and tackle that but we've only got half an hour so (laughs) we we can't go into it but managers are in a tricky position i think a lot of that comes with managing upwards frankly you know i think managers need to learn how to manage upwards how to better prioritize how to be more st- strategic to be clearer about the value adding work they're doing and therefore the work they're not going to do and that's what I meant earlier that's an example of dealing with a root cause rather than a symptom but leaders if we're talking about more senior leaders you know these folks should be getting really curious we kind of talked about curiosity earlier on one of their core responsibilities is creating the conditions for people to flourish to do that you need to understand your people to understand your people you need to spend time with them as individuals, you need to encourage your managers to do that. You know, I think we're all probably sick and tired of the anonymous survey. I mean, I think it's a useful vehicle in some respects, in some sort of circumstances, but you have to twin that. You have to get in front of people. You've got to set up one-to-one, set up, ask me anything, open door policy. Because once you start to, again, blending that qual on that quant, you have a better idea of actually what's going on on the ground. Because the reality for any leader that doesn't take this seriously is you will start start to feel it. You'll start to feel it in reduced productivity, increased sick days. You're going to see people leaving the business. You might you might see that folks cut that you see less folks coming into the business because word travels fast, particularly in tech. If you've got the kind of culture that works people to the bone, unless you're very clear on that and you kind of willingly want to bring those sorts of people in, then that's different. 
if if you wear your values and your culture publicly in your sleeve and those culture and values are about 24-7 working, you will attract those sorts of people and, that, and, and, and that's okay. But when we're being transparent about our culture and we're saying that isn't how we work, that's going to, again, attract the right the right sort the right sorts of people to your business yeah <laughs> and you, you know it's interesting you know my, my mind when you start talking like that goes straight to elon musk you know and i've got visions of him you know with his <laughs> sleeping bag in his in the twitter office or the or the tesla office or whatever um and whilst i love some of the things he's done i love what he's done with electric cars for example i think that's brilliant and the way he's changed industry I could not work in his organisation. I don't think he'd want me, but I don't think I could work in his organisation where that that is, because if I go back to the bit you were saying about values, to me, my kids are really, and my wife, a really, really important part of my, my values and spending time and watching them grow up is super important and probably a lot more important than my job. <laughs> and so therefore, I need to make sure I've got that, that I, w- I want to be in an organisation where I've, that that is recognised and I can spend time with my kids whilst they're growing up and I can still do a great job during the day. It doesn't need to be a, a one or the other. That wouldn't be the type of place that I would thrive, I don't think. And nor me, but that that I think illustrates the, the point that you know yourself and you've done that inner work. And the point on Elon Musk, I actually was sort of referencing him without saying it, so I'm glad that, <laughs> that you said it because I, I did post on, on, on LinkedIn about this very topic and what was so interesting was that there was two camps. One was supporting me, and in effect, they were the sorts of people with similar values. But the other camp was the folks that have different values to you and I. Yeah. And actually, their view was, not only do I love Elon Musk, but I actually really appreciate that he's being very transparent on the kind of culture. And actually, I would love to work in that kind of business. Yeah. And I, I you know, I can judge it for, for what it is, but I, I think there is a key point there about you set your values and your culture and then you live them, but yeah. you have to live them in public as well as you do yeah. in private. And then people will self-select, you know, is it, is it a healthy, sustainable culture? And from my point of view, no, am I a billionaire? No. So maybe he knows what, what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and it, the other thing I think is, you know, if I just reflect, you know, just on my lived experience and, uh, phases of life so if I think about my 20s career was a lot more important to me you know then yeah. I was single I wasn't married I had a job where I could travel I was in a different country every week doing exciting things loved it and at that time of my life you know brilliant ha- happy to do that but as I got wife children things like that my priorities changed for me personally um and i thought i can't live that life you know that life isn't isn't the one i want to lead anymore but it's interesting because you know when we we also then start to think about diversity and inclusion and if you've got a culture which is you've got to be here 24 7 blah 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 then you will only get people that that are happy to do that um, and so therefore perhaps if you look at mums dads for example you're not going to attract any of that type of diversity because they can't balance those two values together agreed and you know, you've only got to look at you know, the new um, generation coming into the workforce i don't i forget the exact numbers but many of those people would turn down well-paid first jobs if they didn't believe that that organization was going to support their well-being Okay. So I think generationally, as well as you know, some of those other intersections that you that you talked about, it just makes good sense to build cultures 
that are sustainable in which the business and the people can flourish. Yeah. Okay. So anything else for, I guess, leaders and, and managers that you'd like to bring out at all? I think the only other thing just to sort of row, row back round on and just be super clear on is the role modelling, but also the types of habits and behaviours. And you, I think you've done some, given some great examples of how you did that as a leader. So, you know, setting those clear work-life boundaries, having those difficult conversations about priorities, saying no, I think is, 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 is underrated. Yeah. And I think teams need to see their leaders and managers pushing back. Yeah. Because again, as an as an individual contributor, it's very hard to push back if you don't feel like you've got the support of your managers and of your leaders. And then the final one, and I have to say this in every podcast that I go on because it's it's what I truly believe is just be more human and lean into those human skills. I, I talk a lot about this. It's particularly in the tech space. You know, leaders are responsible for building teams. Let's just not build teams of people that are like automatons or, or robots. Yes, they might have the tech skills, yes, they can write in 55 different languages, but can they collaborate? Can they communicate? Do they have empathy? Do they have compassion? So I think in tech, we, we need to make tech a bit more human. And I th- yeah. I believe that that's a leadership responsibility. Yeah, completely agree. Now, <clears throat> we've thought about uh, what individuals can do. We've thought about what leaders can do. Um but sometimes you could find yourself in a business where either the values don't match yours or the lived values versus the written down values aren't the same. <laughs> so, that, you know, you, you, you've not got an honest place. You know, you've got people that say they care about work life, but the reality and mental well-being, but the reality is they don't. And you find yourself where you've tried changing yourself, but now you need to change your circumstances. If you ever fear, find you that you need to change company, what, what should you look for? Or how do you make sure that you end up at a place that will allow you to thrive? To the first point there is the decision will feel big. You'll need to be decisive and it will feel uncomfortable. So you, the sense check there is... Am I more comfortable having a bit of discomfort or am I more comfortable making myself very unwell? And speaking from experience, <laughs> I would much rather be stood on a stage slightly petrified than being signed off work for eight weeks. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing, is just getting yourself into a headspace that you know that there is going to be a bit of discomfort here, but fundamentally it's best for the long term. You know, then in terms of how do you analyse, evaluate and detect the cultures, it's not a perfect science. Here's what what I would suggest and what I've done in the past is we do the inner work to get clear on those values and boundaries. And as you've articulated, that will adapt and change over time, over your life. That's why the inner work never stops. You know, do your research. I think you know, we're so fortunate now versus you know, our parents' generation. You have um, opportunities to learn about businesses. You've got Glassdoor, great, but you've also got people who work in that business who tell you that they work in that business on LinkedIn. You might be very happy to have a coffee. Yeah. So networking and using that human to human connection is a great way to try and understand the culture at, at the ground level. Look for any recent news coverage. So the Elon Musk example is all over the news. Well, if you're not an Elon Musk fan, then that should be painting a lot of red flags if you're going for your first interview with X. Um, when you get interviews, you know, I think it's very easy to feel like you're being interviewed, but you should also be interviewing. So don't be afraid to to ask hard questions of the people you meet, um, of the culture, 
try and make those questions pointed about how the business actually operates, how they treat their people. You, know, you can use questions that paint some, paint what if scenarios to try and just get a sense of how someone might respond in a difficult uh, circumstance or situation that you found yourself in in the past. And the final one sounds trite, but in my experience, it's so true. Is just trusting your gut. There is a reason why they say that your second brain is in your gut, and the reason that they call it gut instinct. In my life, my gut instinct has rarely led me wrong. Okay. Okay, it's interesting as you were you were going through that. I th- I suddenly thought about um, a leader I used to work for many many years ago, and and he said, and I remember him saying this: um, "Don't choose don't choose your next job, choose your next leader." Um, because my experience, particularly in big corporates as well, is you've got microcultures. You know, you might have the corporate Agreed, culture, yeah. but then if you've got a bad leader, then that entire org, you know, is, is going to be in a, in a difficult state. And so actually, quite often we get used to choosing the next job. Oh, I, I want to go and be a product manager. I want to go and be an architect. I want to go and be that. Great. But actually, there's something to be said for, right, who's the leader that I want to work for where I can do my best work? Right. How do I go and work for that person and choose a leader versus a job? Now, if I think about it, I'm not sure I really managed to do that. It was always in the back of my head and I ended up choosing the next jobs, not the next leader. But just something to think about, particularly, I guess, if if this is really important for you, thinking about where (laughs) where are you going to thrive? Who's that leader that's going to help you thrive? And my and my and my other top tip that I'm seeing a lot on LinkedIn now in terms of if you are looking to, to make a move is if you know that leader or the hiring manager, be brave enough to reach out to them on LinkedIn. Right. Be because proactive. Not only do you do you, yeah, exactly, be proactive. You kind of shortcut the inevitable C V filtering. You can show them who you are and actually that gives you that opportunity to build a relationship or rapport and actually figure out, well, I know how they present themselves externally. Is this the sort of person I think I could not only work with and for, but to flourish yeah. working with. Yeah. Nick, can you believe it? We've we're at we are we are nearly at the end of our time. It has flown past, absolutely flown past. I wonder perhaps if we could sort of wrap up, what would be your your key takeaway that you'd like us all to, to leave with? It's a very simple one, which is the power of collective responsibility okay so for me it's collectively challenging ourselves and each other to make work better okay okay and and i think you know as i sort of reflect back you know i love the idea of this you know self-awareness i think that's such an important thing to to work on yourself and then once you've done that to, to take some action you know it's great being aware now you need to do something about it and then you know we've talked through a load of different approaches that we can take as either individual contributors or leaders if that's our role um but but i really yeah really like that and and it's just an important thing to talk about with people isn't it you know not to just suffer in silence and and go through these challenges on your own great to talk about collectively Uh, brilliant now nick for people that have loved what you've been talking about um where can people find you in the internet land? I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, so you'll find me at Nick Gemetta, or you can email me nick at storiesmatter.io. Okay, brilliant. And we'll pop those in the show notes. Um, and and then, you know, just for me to plug a little bit about what you're doing, you know, so you, you spend a lot of time and you kind of split your time a bit, don't you? You're, you're spending a lot of time working on products and coaching teams on how they create better products but also spending time um, talking about mental well-being in organisations. Do you just want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, so 
as I've said, making work better for me means that I have to be operating in loads of different domains. It might not work for a lot of people, but it's been great for me. So I'm coaching and advising you know, product teams in all sorts of, of, of organizations. I work with the teams, the leaders and the individuals to make their products better. But I take a very human first approach to that process. And I think because I have this uh, drive and this passion for well-being, for leadership, for culture, that comes through in the product work. But then I spend a ton of my time sharing my lived experience, you know, inspiring change in people, in teams, in leaders. And I did touch on it earlier. I am also working on a new proposition that I hope is going to create the next generation of human leaders. But to hear more about that, you're going to have to have me back on the pod, I'm afraid. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Well, <laughs> we'll leave it there. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you. Thank you for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. So there we have it. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast and rate the show. It really helps spread the word. And check out our technical storytelling program to help build your influencing and leadership skills.